Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode on Son of Man. My name is Spencer Smith, and thanks for joining. Today, we're going to be talking about the humility of Christ and why us Christians ought to be humble in everything we do. Uh, I have a text of scripture here from John chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. This is before the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, uh, the Word of God says this, beginning in verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He had laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. That, uh, we, I wanted to begin with that verse because I think it helps us understand the humility of Christ. So, you know, we have here, you know, Jesus, you know, the Son of God, who is God, and he's, you know, doing this act of service to his servants, his followers. He's washing their feet. You know, think of how filthy, first of all, their feet would have been. There was there there were no concrete sidewalks. Uh, there weren't great shoes, and there was there were no there wasn't any AC heat or anything like that. Running water. I, could you only imagine how dirty it would have been? And then not only that, but the sickness that was spreading around. The feet had to have been one of the worst places to you know, to touch, especially in that time with leprosy going around like uh, wildfire and everything. So I, if you, it's just, it's funny to see nowadays how people today with the COVID won't even touch each other, but Jesus was washing their feet. I don't know, but I think that's interesting. But I think we need to sit upon this text more often. I know as us Reformed Christians, we can kind of get... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to stagnant or stale in our uh, expression on how Christ is humble, how he is lowly and gentle. We, we don't really want to emphasize that much because we are constantly fighting against the charismatic movement who always wants to portray Jesus as some surfer boy who just loves you so much. And we've, you know, they've done Jesus down to some grandma who sees their her grandchildren, but once a month. And when she does sees them, she spoils them with all kinds of gifts. That's what the charismatic and liberal movement has dumbed Jesus down to. So us reformed people fight back with this, you know, hardcore Jesus, which is True, in scriptures, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who has a sword that's coming out of his mouth and is robed, is covered in blood, slaying his enemies. You know, this is the true Jesus that is depicted in scripture. You know, he, he is a holy God, and he will say to his those people who uh, don't know him, like, th that aren't his, he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. So he is going to be harsh. And But we, there is a balance, you know? <laughs> Jesus has... His attributes. The God has his attributes, I should say. But like I said, us Reformed Christians, we can end up getting into... We, we just, I don't know, we don't really want to talk about the humility of Christ because we've seen it slaughtered and we've seen it betrayed and, and, and misused, I should say, misused. But 
I think we should sit upon how, how glorious this is. Because look, here we have Jesus in the Son of God, the Son in his incarnate state. And we have to think about this. The Son is the one who created all things out of nothing. The Son is the one who was seen by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, you know, and that's what John says in John chapter 12. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory, right? And the only he in the text is Christ. Isaiah saw, well, if you were to ask Isaiah, who did you see? He'd say, I saw Yahweh. But John says that Isaiah saw the Son, Jesus. That's who Isaiah saw. <laughs> and... um so he is the one who was worshipped by angels, you know, in that vision in Isaiah 6. The seraphim and cherubim are screaming, and they're worshipping, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And then Isaiah falls on his face and worship and prostrates himself. He says, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man with unclean lips. I dwell in places with people with unclean lips. My friends have unclean lips, right? And, his, and the angel comes with the coal and touches his lip and says, you are clean, and he's, and he's instituted as a prophet of God. But that's the holiness of Christ, right? When, you, when, you, when Isaiah saw the sun, he fell on his face, and he was saying, woe is me. Practically, he's not saying, wow, or whoa, that's the sun. No, he's saying, a curse be upon me because he's holy and I'm not. <laughs> you know, I, he's holy and I'm not. So a curse be upon me. Whoa, is me. <laughs> and that's what the impact was when Isaiah saw the sun. And then we come to verses, you know, we come to verses like Colossians chapter 1. You know, uh, get to it here. Colossians chapter 1, where we have... You know, Paul preaching about the preeminence of Christ, how he is the one who is the sustainer of the universe, right? Who, who is the author of all things. Colossians 1, 15 and onward, it says this, he meaning Christ, because if you start up in verse 14, it says, in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Th that's obviously Christ. But it says in verse 15, he, meaning Christ, is the, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. They have their consistency in him. All things consist in Christ. All things hold together in the Son, right? He is the one who created all things. And, and, and then we come to even deeper things where we have the Father, right? The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit from all eternity in perfect fellowship with one another. These persons in perfect harmony, the Father, and the Son, perfect, and the, and the Spirit, perfect fellowship. And then we have in the New Testament, in Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 45, where the Father is speaking to the Son in this text. He says, but to the Son, he says, in Hebrews 1, 
Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And quote Psalm 102. And you, Lord, this is still the Father speaking to the Son. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain. (laughs) They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up like a garment. They'll be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. That's the father speaking to the son, the preeminent eternal God. The son is the one who created all things. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos. The word is the Son, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, right? And, and I, I, just, I just have to, I just can't, I, I can't let you guys miss this. The one who created all things, who is worshipped by angels, who when the prophet saw him, fell on his face and worshiped and screamed, woe is me. The one whom the angels, the seraphim and cherubim are saying, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> the one who stretched out the heavens, the one who created all the stars, the cosmos, this universe, all the worlds, the earth, the Saturn, the sun, the moon, the, every single thing. The Son created it. But catch this. When the Son comes into his own creation through the person of Christ, Jesus, what does he do? He becomes obedient to the Father's command. And what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't comprehend that. I can understand it, but I don't comprehend it. The one who was worshipped by angels and who created all things out of nothing enters into his own creation and washes his disciples' feet. I will live my whole life chasing after the excellencies of Christ and I will never be able to grasp his heel. I, 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 that's too far beyond my mind can grasp. I can't understand how the one who created the trees, the grass, the earth, the sky, and, and the angels, and, and me and you, he enters into his own creation and washes his servants' feet. And not only does he do that, but what does he do? He, he comes to do his father's command and obeys his father and he sets his face toward Jerusalem, his place of death. And in that place, he is going to allow his own creation to whip him, to spit upon him, to pull his beard from his face, to whip him. And he is going to allow his own creatures to 
to bear false witness against him. He is going to allow his own creatures. Think about that. When they come, when they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, it, it, they, the soldiers, they say, are you Jesus? He said, I am he. And they fall on their backs. <laughs> and, and Simon Peter picks up a sword and cuts off one of the high priest's ears. And he, and he says, put your sword Back in your sheath, he's like, do you not know that I can, Jesus says, do you not know that I can call my, for myself 12 legions of angels? One angel came in the Old Testament and wiped out 180,000 Assyrians. What could 12 legions of angels could do? I, but he's going to allow his own creatures to betray him, to drive nails into his hands and his feet. <laughs> and why? Why? That's, that's the question the world asks. That's the question I don't, I don't comprehend. I understand. I know why. Because he, 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 he is atoning. He is taking the place of his people, his elect, <laughs> the humility, <laughs> the love that he has for his sheep. He's come, he, he came into his own creation and he is going to be murdered, <laughs> crucified, the most humiliating way to die for his people, for you, for me, for his sheep. And in that time, when he's hanging upon the cross, all of his people were going through his head. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. And he was thinking of all the saints who are going to believe because of what he has done on the cross. <laughs> and that's something us believers need to take hold of. So when you think you are more intelligent or you you have more things and you want to boast in that consider christ stop for a moment and consider what christ did <laughs> the one who had all things who created all things sets it all aside and comes and dies a violent death for his people for you and for me i don't understand i, I don't comprehend that i don't and I, I truly believe, I truly believe I could read 2 Corinthians 5.21 every single day of my life, a thousand times a day, and I will never comprehend. I will never comprehend where it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, for our sake, us saints, us believers, for our sake, he, God, made him, the Son, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. He knew no sin. He was worshipped by angels. He was a holy God. But the Father made him to be sin and atoned for our sin. <laughs> I'll end with this because I, I think this is what ties it all together. Everyone 
should know this verse, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, right? And <laughs> the humility of Christ. He, Paul's teaching to be humble. All of us saints ought to be humble. And this is what he says. Have this mind among yourselves, which, was, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in, the, in a human form. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God the Father has exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> the deepness of this. The deepness. The excellencies of Christ. How far above our understanding. I, I, I don't comprehend, but I do understand. And that should teach one to be humble. And us Reformed Christians, Reformed brothers and sisters, we ought to embrace this humility. Christ was a lowly and gentle servant. We ought to be like that. But we also ought to be like stern. We also have to be correcting, you know, opposing those who teach false doctrine. Don't slack on that, obviously. That's in the scriptures too. But don't lose, don't lose the gentleness, the, the, hum, the humble, lowly servanthood of Christ. That, that, um, that attribute of him. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful one. I, I won't understand. I, I won't comprehend, I should say. Won't comprehend how the son of God, the son who created all things, and all things came into existence by him. And yet he enters into his own creation and washes his disciples' feet and carries his cross to the place of his humiliating death. And he allows his own creatures to, dis dis to murder him. <laughs> but he's doing it for his sheep, his people. So consider your brother or your sister in Christ of more value than yourself. Consider your neighbor of more and more value than yourself. He's more worthy than you are. Anyways, I think that's all I got. It's a deep topic. Um, I, it's a deep one. I just, I just been thinking about this and I, and I thought maybe it, sh it should be a good one to speak about. And hope you guys enjoy this. Um, yeah, consider subscribing if you're new. And God bless you all.